Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this beautiful Thursday, the 21st of October. And today I have a very special guest. Uh, It's not that often that I get to interview people from the other side of the planet, but today it is an exception. I'm very, very pleased to be joined by the retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCulloch. Hello, Oak. Welcome to joining. Welcome welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining well, my, thank you for having me. In. I mean, this, this is, I'm excited. I really am. You know, it doesn't, not very often I get to be on podcasts for overseas either. So I'm, I'm excited to do this. That's awesome. And, and you and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a little while now. We've had a, we've had a conversation. And I think based on that conversation, we've got, even though we do live on opposite sides of the planet, I know you have spent some time over here in Australia, in, in Canberra. And uh, we do have lots in common, and I think there's um, there's a connection. And as we talked about last week, it's amazing how uh, when you get to connect with people in a, in a role of a leader and talking about leadership, there's so many other people around the world that we have things in common. So I'm really looking forward to delving into all things leadership with you. Yeah, absolutely, Darren. And you know, I always tell people, look, leadership is leadership. So wh- whether you're in America or you're in Australia or India or you know, wherever, uh, I, I, I firmly believe that good leaders are good leaders and you can lead in any organization and you can lead anywhere that you need to lead. You may have Absolutely. to make a few tweaks to your style, depending on what you're doing, but but leadership is leadership. It is, it is. And I think um, what's really good about you and I having this conversation is we'll, I think that will come through and that irrespective of whether, you know, somebody who's listening to this who is a, is a new sales leader or has been in sales for a while and or is aspiring to be a sales leader, but also recognizing there's people probably not in sales right now who are listening to this. We all have potential in, in many respects for leadership and it's about how do we recognize that and how do we enable ourselves to be ready for leadership when the opportunity provides itself. So um, what I'd like, like to do, if it's okay, is start with um, going back a bit of time. So I know you've had over 40 years in, in leadership in the US Army. I'm really curious as to uh, what, when does the story start for Oak? Like what, what prompted you to get into the US Army? And, and let's, let's start there because I'm sure there's a, like a, a journey and an evolution that's led you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I was in high school, um, I played baseball, basketball, football, American football um, in in high school. And I was, you know, I was captain of my team and I was student government president in high school and an officer in a couple of the clubs that were in high school. And so I kind of had those leadership, very small leadership positions and, and responsibilities during high school. And it was about my junior year, end of sophomore, beginning of my junior year that I decided I really wanted to be an officer in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And so I started pursuing that um, through Army ROTC scholarship applications and the academy applications. And I actually applied to all the academies and all the services ROTC. I, I knew I wanted to be an Army officer, but I just wanted to make sure that I had something. Yep. Um, and so that, that's really what started me down that road. And, and people ask me all the time, they say, so why did you decide, you know, because 
none of my parents, you know, we weren't a military family. I had an uncle that was in the army during Vietnam and I had an uncle that was in the Navy during Vietnam. And I don't, I don't even hold that against him. Um, but being in the Navy, um, but uh, bit of competition but, there. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, so I I don't come from a military family, yeah. and so people always ask me, so what made you go that route? And mm. and I I guess initially it was I I loved being uh, in in a position of responsibility. But the reason I guess I made a career out of it was because I I, I wanted to give back to this great country of ours and. I, you know, I always tell the story that my father never finished the fifth grade and my mother never finished the 10th grade. Now, they eventually went back and got their GED, their high school equivalent yep. diploma, but they never went through school more than the fifth and 10th grade. And yet I got to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point, one of the premier institutions in the world. And I retired a lieutenant colonel from the yep. army. Nowhere else in the world does that happen. Nowhere. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I always told people, if I'm, I serve so other people can have the same choices that I had growing up. Uh, so that, that's why it was so important for me, for my service. Excellent. And as we were talking about before, you've, you've also seen active service across that, um, that period of time. So you would have seen a lot, uh, a lot of probably uh, a lot of things and experienced a lot of things that most people would, would never dream of or never want to be. Uh, experiencing, but I'm interested in some of the lessons you've taken away before you became a leader within the army. What are some of the things that drew you and kept you in uh, in service that then led you to uh, even contemplating that perhaps this is a further career, a longer career, but also then stepping into a leadership career? So just reflect on some of the things that uh, you did experience that led you to a leadership position within the army. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at my time at West Point, I was only there for two years and then I finished up in Army ROTC. My time at West Point, I had a couple, even as a freshman, you know, I always talk about plea parent weekend where all the upperclassmen go away. And, uh, and, and so all the freshmen, the plebes are in charge. And for whatever reason, they made me the, the first sergeant of, the, of our company. And so you know, you got the commander and the XO and then the first sergeant. So I was uh, like third in charge. And uh, one, one night we were sitting there during that week and I, what, I had two roommates. One played lacrosse and one played hockey and I played baseball at West Point. So um, we're sitting there uh, and my buddy who is a hockey player, he says, so let's, let's put together a hockey game. I said, I said, it's eight o'clock at night. I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, we can play against the company downstairs because the company right below the floor right below us was the, we were an I company. They were H company. Yep. They said, we, we can get all the plebes up, the, up the, to come up and we'll play in the hallway. And we got sticks. We got the puck. I said, okay, let's do it. So we got them up there and we're making all kinds of noise and we're checking people into the walls and, and uh, just having a good time making a lot of noise. And so I, the puck goes by me and I turn around, I'm going to chase it. And there's somebody standing there. So I check them into the wall and I <laughs> take off running down the, and all of a sudden I hear this stop. And I said, uh Oh, <laughs> so I turn around and it's a captain in the United States army. He's like, he's the TAC officer for the company below us for headquarters company. So um, he's chewing us out and he's asking who's in charge. And he said, who's the commander. And I told him and he said, 
where is he? And I said, I don't know. And he said, so who's the XO? I, I told him, and he said, I don't know where he is. And he said, well, who's the first sergeant? I said, that'd be me, sir. <laughs> and he said, so he starts chewing me out and telling me he wants to see me tomorrow morning. So I go down and see him. And then he tells me to go see my TAC officer, who was a major. And I go in and report to him. And he said, so I hear you had a little bit of fun last night. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'm only going to ask you one question. He said, did you beat headquarters company and i said yes sir we did and he said get out of my office <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know in a leadership position probably not didn't do the smartest thing but i learned a couple lessons and uh and so from there it just kind of built and then when i became went to rotc i i had a couple leadership positions i was the operations officer so i wrote all the orders for everything that were going on one semester and then i was a battalion commander so i was in charge of the program so i I kind of had a couple in my young time doing that. And while I was in ROTC, I was also in the National Guard as a cadet. And I was actually a platoon leader for an infantry platoon in the Illinois National Guard. Yeah. So I got a lot of experience doing that as well. So I kind of felt like I, I was on that road. And then I just had a couple of really good mentors once I got on active duty who kind of took me under their wing for whatever reason. They saw something and they said, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you along the way. And they taught me some good things and they taught me what good leaders do. And, um, and not only people above me, but people below me as well. I always tell people, look, some of the best leaders I ever served with were people that worked for me, not mm. that worked above me. Yep. Um, so I, I was just lucky throughout my young career that I had some good people who took an interest in me. It's an interesting point you make there, right? Because um, I often say to people that, Leadership is not easy, and it's certainly not for everybody. And often people get caught up in in a position or a title. And often the best leaders, in my experience, and I think this is what you're saying as well, is is people who have to rely on other skills like leadership skills and influence skills to get their message across and get people to do things without any positional power. That's right. And and we we look at and like for an ex, external looking into you know, the armed forces and whether it be in Australia or the US, we often look at um, the military and thinking, well, it's very hierarchical and it's very command and control. So I'd be curious because you mentioned just before that somebody saw something in you and you had some mentors. So the power of having good people around you is obviously really important. But did you ever find out or, or ask the question to, to determine what was it that they saw in you that led them to invest in you? That was almost like the, the catalyst for you to springboard into your leadership career? Yeah, I never asked that question, but I, but I think I got some ideas of why. I mean, I, I've throughout my life, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, you know, my, my father was a mean old man and, and he was, and that's okay. Cause I am who I am today because of that. There's no yep. doubt about it. Yeah. And he had, he had a couple of rules growing up and he always used to tell me one of the rules that he believed in, he called it the 75% rule. And he said, son, if you're doing something, and you're not better than 75% of the people doing it, you need to do one of two things. You either need to figure out how to be better at it, or you need to go find something else to do, because obviously yep. you're not any good at it. And I always lived by that rule. And so I, you know, I was always success driven. I always wanted to be the best at whatever I did. And I didn't care if I was sweeping floors. I wanted to be the best floor sweeper there was. I mean, I want to be the best at what I want, whatever I'm doing. And I think that showed as a lieutenant and, and my, my unit, my platoon, 
did great and they did some great things and it wasn't just me i mean i, I had a great platoon sergeant i had great soldiers who were willing to listen and and uh, took some advice from me and i took some advice from them and we we made it all work and, and we had one of the best platoons in, in the not only in the in the battalion but in the brigade and you know highest highest scores on certain things that were graded so so i think some of them, they saw some of that that i was driven that i did get results and and again in the real world results matter you know yeah. in the fantasy world out there you know everybody gets a trophy and everybody's a winner and everybody's <laughs> participation happy absolutely but in the real world <laughs> re- results matter yep. <laughs> and yep. uh and so I think people saw that, that I do get results and I do care and I cared about the, the people in my, my unit. And so I think that they saw that and they took an interest in me. And, and I was just lucky that they did. I really was because yeah. over, my, over my career, I've had some really great people who gave me some advice and, and helped me make some decisions that got me where I was. Yeah. It was interesting you say that about the 75% rule because what I hear from that is in order to be better or go and do something else, you would have had to have established some pretty high standards of excellence, not just for yourself, but also for your team and continuing to strive to get better every single day. So uh, was that for you an evolutionary process or was it like cut and dry to say, right, we need to do this, we need to improve in this area or else? So, so I, I, I always tell people, I say, look, I, I'm a firm believer in the 75% rule. And I talk that to my kids as well, my daughter and my son. Um, and I think they believe in it and they, and they certainly strive to do the best they can. But what I always tell people is, look, that, that rule doesn't apply for when you start. You're never mm-hmm. going to start something. Yep. Most people don't. I mean, you got some people who are just natural at whatever they do. I got yeah, it. Yeah, of course. But most people aren't. And you're not going to be at 75% probably when you start and that's okay. But you got, but if you're going to continue to do it, you got to make the decision that you're going to be that good. You're going to be the best you can be at it. And you got to come up with a plan on how you're going to get there. And I was the same way when I started every time I took over a unit or an organization, I would see where I was at that point. And I generally, that usually took me about a month of walking around, talking to people, digging into things seeing why we did things, what we did, how we did them. And then I would figure out, okay, here, here's where we are today. And if we want to get better, this is where we want to be. If we want to get better, how do we have to do that? And I came up with a plan on how we're going to get from here to there. And then I think the, the most important part of that for me was I was able to communicate that to the people who worked for me. Because if you're a leader and you think you're the one that's going to get you from where you are today to where you want to be, a year from now in your organization, you're sadly mistaken because it isn't you. It's the people who work for you that's going to get you there. So they got to understand not only where you want to go, but, but how you want to get there. And more importantly, in today's society with the youth of today, you got to tell them why you want to get there. Yeah. You know, you and I, when we were kids, we never asked the question, why? No. I, that never even entered my mind asking why. Somebody told me to do something. I said, got it. Yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> Absolutely. Today, that's not the case. They want to know why. And that's, and there's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. It just took a little bit of time for old yeah. people like us to figure out. <laughs> yeah, why? Exactly. Exactly. So with that, there would have been obviously in your early days of leadership, uh, some challenges. So you would have been 
finding your feet, so to speak, and and finding out what works and what doesn't work. And and we'll touch on mentoring as well. But I'm curious to understand from your say your early early days of leadership, taking control of platoons and so forth. What were some of the challenges that you faced that looking back were almost like um, the things you had to get through, that you had to grow through in order to become the leader that you eventually became? Yeah, I, th- I think like any young leader who has a title and, you know, I'm second <laughs> lieutenant, I'm the platoon leader, I'm, you know, it, you got to get over that. You got to get over the fact that you're, you are by title and in the army, by authority, by law, you are kind of the leader, whether mm-hmm. people like you or not, they got to do what you tell them to do. So you got to get over that and understand that, yeah, by law or by a title, you might be the leader, but you really got to decide that you're going to earn that title, earn that position. And I always, you know, there's people, famous people who have said, you know, you, you got to earn your leadership every day. And you do. I mean, and you got to do that by taking care of your people. And I think that was one of the things that I, that early on, you know, when I was a cadet in charge of the of platoon or when I was a cadet in charge of something, and probably when I first started as a lieutenant, um, I had to figure that one out that, you know, it doesn't matter that I have a title, that I'm an officer. What matters is I got to, got to actually earn it. And, and I got to be that leader that I would want to follow if, I was in their shoes. Mm. And part of that was, I, you know, I, I had to learn early on and, and I had a couple good soldiers who taught me and good officers above me who taught me that a huge part of that is the listening skills that you need. And I, I wasn't very good at that initially. I, I wanted to be the one talking. I wanted to be the one giving orders. I wanted to be the one and, and finally, I had a boss who, who really drilled it into my head that, look, it's not, not always about you. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you got to take some time to get to know your soldiers, get to know the people who work for you, and you got to listen to them. That's the mm. only way you're going to get to know them. And you got to ask them the right questions, and you got to care. Mm. You know, I had a boss who was a, a lieutenant colonel, and I was a captain, so it was a little bit longer, a little bit uh further into my career, I was, I've been in the army probably for about eight, eight years, maybe, yeah. maybe 10 years. And, uh, and he was a Lieutenant Colonel and I was a captain. And, and, uh, so he was, you know, two, two ranks ahead of me. And eventually he retired a three-star general. So, I mean, wow. way, way smarter than me, which what isn't hard, but, uh, <laughs> but he, he, every day when I come into work, not every day, probably two or three days out of the week, we'd pass each other in the hallway and, and he would always say, I'd say, good morning, sir. And he'd say, Oak, how are you? And then he would stop. He didn't walk by me. It wasn't a walk by greeting that he had. How yep. are you? He actually wanted to know how I was doing. Mm. And he would ask me questions and ask me questions about my wife and my kids and wanted to know what was going on in my life. And that a light bulb went off in my head because I knew how that made me feel Yeah, that, you know, here's this man who's way more important than I am. And during all those times that we did that, and I don't know how many times we did that. And it wasn't just me. I'm sure it was other people, but you know, all those times I knew he was a busy man. I never once saw him look at his watch. Like I got to be somewhere at that point. I was the most important thing going on in his day. And that made such an impression on me. And I, and I reconnected with him after I wrote the book, after many years of not being connected to him. And I told him that story 
And he was just amazed that I remember all that from that many years ago. And that's the impression he made on me. And so that's really, I think, the hardest thing that I had to learn was to stop and listen to people and make them make them feel like I felt. Yeah. Uh, and not just make them feel that way. Actually do care. Because uh, yep. they'll if you're faking it, they know. They'll oh. figure it out real quick. Absolutely. And I've, I found out the hard way myself when I was when I was a brand new leader as well, because um, I, I was I was similar and I, I got the position. I thought oh, I'm a sales leader. How good's this? I've I've arrived. And my <laughs> my general manager at the time, I remember the very first day he said to me, Darren, welcome to the bottom rung of the ladder. <laughs> and exactly. it was it was a rude awakening, but and and I I had to work really hard to earn the trust of my team because it did, didn't just come because I was a I was a titled leader. That's and right. I think that story you share is it's it's it resonates so well because I think there are many leaders out there that get caught up in the I guess the prestige and the gravitas of the of the title and thinking well I'm a leader therefore people will follow me well. Yeah. No, you've got to earn the right, which means you've got to care for your people because your people are asking, well, does Oak care about me? Can I trust Oak? Um, can he help me? And all these other questions. And if you're genuine about that, they will follow you, as you've no doubt discovered, to the ends of the earth. And they'll do anything Absolutely. for you as long as there's a genuine care there. Absolutely. As long as they know that you care about them and that in the end, I mean, again, in the real world, we got to get the job done. And no, especially of course. in the military, you know, in, in the army, we have this term mission first, people always. So we always got to accomplish the mission. That's our job. That's what we get paid to do. But you got to take care of your people as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and does it, you know, in some professions like the army, you know, taking care of people doesn't necessarily mean you're going to keep them safe because you do, you do dangerous things. Yeah. But as long as they understand that you have their best interests at heart and that you are going to do everything you can to take care of them, then they will do whatever you ask them to do, even the most dangerous things. And I've, yeah. had, I've experienced that. Um, but you got to you. They have to believe that you do have their best interest at heart and you actually care. Yeah. And again, you can't fake that. You cannot fake. No. it. You might get away with faking it for a short period of time, but they're going to figure it out. Oh, of course, and and we've probably both experienced situations in our careers where uh, leaders have said to us, "Hey, we care about you. We we do generally care about you." But they were words because there was a bit of a gap between they said and then what they did because it might have been it might have been conditional care. I I'll, I'll care about you when it suits me, or I'll yeah. care about you when as it long, suits as them. Long as it as long as it's benefiting my career, I care about you. Yeah, that's you right. Know, and my father, again, one of the things my father used to tell me, and he, he didn't practice this, but, but he did tell me this. He said, look, if your words say one thing and your actions say another thing, people are going to believe your actions. Yeah. They don't care about your words. No, that's how right. you treat them, what you do is mm -hmm. what they're going to believe. Now, my father was one of those people who told you one thing and did another thing and, you know, wanted you to, wanted you to do what he told you, but he was doing something else. And that's okay. Again, I, that was a, a lesson I learned, you know, cause you, I was still, look, you can learn just as much from somebody who does something poorly as you Absolutely. can from somebody who does something great. Yeah. You know, and, and when I, my father would do that, or when some boss of mine in the future, when I was, you know, when I had a boss that would tell me one thing and do something else, I, the back of my mind, I said, yeah, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> you, know, you, you can learn things from everybody. 
Oh, absolutely. Because and and you're right. Because you're going to learn from good models, and you would have had good mentors around you that that gave you good principles and probably invested in you, and instilled those good principles in you. You've carried on, and and it almost becomes their legacy. But there'll be others that you think uh, there's something there's something not quite right there. There's a little bit of a disconnect. So yeah. I'm going to put that in my back pocket, and that's going to help form my own philosophies. That when I'm getting into that position. I'm going to do something different. So you're Absolutely. right. There's lessons everywhere. Absolutely. And I've had, I've had horrible leaders in the army. I mean, yeah. I, absolutely horrible that I wouldn't, if I didn't had, if I hadn't had to, because they were by law in charge, I wouldn't have followed them to the latrine. I mean, <laughs> but, but, and, and the, those are the people who were selfish. I'm just yeah. telling you they they were not people who they were in it for themselves. Mm. It was, I got to do these things to get to my next rank. And that's all they cared about. Yep. They didn't care about who they crushed in the process or who they didn't take care of or what happened in your career. They cared about their career. And I've had, I, I've had two for sure, two leaders that I had to work for that I couldn't wait till I didn't have to work for them anymore. And, and I always told myself, I will never be that person. Yeah. And hopefully I never was. And, and uh, you know, I, I still get, I still have young men and women who, I, it's funny it, that we're sitting here two, two nights ago, I was sitting here and it was about nine o'clock at night and I got a phone call and I didn't recognize the phone number, but that's, I, that's a lot of that nowadays that I wrote the book and I'm talking to a lot of people. So I answered and it was a young man, well, not so young anymore, uh, a man that I commissioned as a second Lieutenant out of my army ROTC program back in, in 2006. And he calls me and says, I saw you wrote the book and I've been meaning to catch up with you for years, but I hadn't, I wanted to catch up with you and just kind of tell you where I am and what, mm -hmm. how much I appreciate what you did and that I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if it hadn't been for you. So, you know, those, those are the nice things that you like to hear. Um, and, and it makes you, makes you, what you've done makes you feel good about what you've done. Oh, absolutely. Cause if you can see, if you can see the principles that you've lived by, the example that you've set play out in people who you have no further, I guess, direct involvement with, but they've gone on and, and paid it forward to others. It's almost like a, it's a, it's a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, isn't it? That, you know what, there's a, there's a piece of me that's actually gone forward. And, and it's, this is where the timeless principles of leadership will always stand the test of time. And, absolutely. and, and we just, I mean, we were talking about this last week that, if you look at leadership right now across the world, I think there's a massive void in terms of leadership. And we've got a lot of political and business leaders that maybe have, how do I say this respectfully, maybe some question marks against them. And, and military too. Yeah, <laughs> in, right in all in walks. There. Yeah. But the, but the challenge that I, I find is, and the, and the disappointing part is, you've got young people today who are impressionable, who are looking at these examples and thinking, wow, there's a leader they're in the mainstream media. They're always prophesizing. If I want to be a leader one day, there's my example. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, and that's why and, and you know, it's scary. And it's very scary. So that's why people like you and I have to continue to put the message out that, Hey, it doesn't have to be like that. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and that's kind of like, that's why I kind of, titled the book, the, what, what I did, you know, your leadership legacy, because it yeah. really is your legacy. What, what do you want people to remember you about um, mm -hmm. in, in, as a leader? And, and it's, you know, young men like that who, 
who keep in touch or who get back in touch with you at some point and talk about the things that you taught told them you you taught them when they were younger yeah. and and got them on that path of servant leadership um because that's really we got to get back to that we got to get back to where people are not the leader because it's about them because they get more money they get more power they get a bigger title that's that's not what it's about and it, but unfortunately too many people too many of the leaders today believe that's what it's about and um and and it's showing it it absolutely shows yeah and i think there's a lot of leaders who don't have a level of genuine authenticity and you just look at Oh, I just have to look at their LinkedIn profiles as I'm not going to give a specific example, but there are so many have got their titles, MBAs, Esquires and all the letters behind them. And they lead with that. Right. And yeah. I look at it and this is just me. Uh, I look at it and say, you know what? I'm not impressed by letters. What I'm, what I'm impressed by is what your principles are that you talk about first of all, but what can I see? What can I see you doing on a consistent basis and what track record have you developed? Right. But more, yeah. more importantly than that, who else have you developed? So who else yeah. have you got in your team who is now leading as well, if not better than you? So how can you create that, that legacy? Yeah, um, and I, I, I tell people all the time, if you, if you call yourself a leader and you are not mentoring somebody, I'm questioning whether or not you're a leader because mm. leaders develop more leaders. Yeah. They don't develop followers. Followers are out there. Yeah. And there's people, there's people who don't want to be a leader and that's okay. There's yeah, nothing absolutely. wrong with that. But there are, but leaders develop leaders. And if you aren't finding those diamonds in the rough, those gems out there to start developing so that that next generation has leaders like we do, you know, and, and again, Master Sergeant David Powell, guy who worked for me, came up, you know, it's, and it's in my book. It's one of, it is the quote that has stuck with me throughout all this time. He came up with this. He, one day we were sitting there talking about what we were doing, developing the future leaders of, of the army and of America. And he said to me, he said, you know, sir, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And I thought to myself, wow, what, what a great quote. And the yep. great thing about that quote is that you can take that word nations and you can change that out to companies, to sports teams, to hospitals to whatever you want and it doesn't yeah. change the text of that quote that's it because if you show me an organization that has great leadership i'm going to show you an organization that is successful mm. if you show me an organization that has poor leadership i'm going to show you an organization that is struggling because it all comes down to leadership and and so our job is to develop that next generation of leaders and yeah. if we do, if leaders don't believe that then they're not leaders and they don't deserve to be leaders quite frankly Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. So with that, I know we've, we've, you've mentioned the book a couple of times. I do want to, I do want to talk about that. Um, I'd, I'd be really curious what, what prompted you uh, to write a book? <laughs> I get asked that all the time. So why, why did you write the book? So really it comes down to when I was a professor of military science uh, back 2006, 2009, I was running an Army ROTC program at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama. And so for those that don't understand what ROTC is, because that's an American thing, yeah. it's they go to college for four years. They go through an Army ROTC program where we teach them leadership and about the Army. And then they come out a second lieutenant and officer. Okay. So um, I was running that program and I was commissioning 
lieutenants. But I was going around to high schools because I was recruiting for my program, trying to get high school students to come to my program at, at my college. And I'm going around talking to high school students and talking about not only ROTC, but about life and about being successful, because uh, I believe that's just as important. Um, and I, I was asking them, so what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And without fail, a lot of people would say, well, I want to be a leader. I want to be in charge. And I said, great. I said, what does that mean? What does that take? And I get that deer in the headlights look. Or in case case of Australia, that kangaroo in the headlights look. I've seen that look, and that's not a good look. Um, That's not. You can do some uh, damage too. Yeah, it does. Um, And so I came up with this presentation that I talked about what it takes to be a good leader. And so I've been given that since 2006, you know, to high school students, college students, a few businesses here and there. Um, and so I decided that I, that was my passion. I want to talk to as many young people as I can and help develop as many young leaders, at least get them on that path to yeah. being a good leader. So I figured I, if I want to reach more people, I got to get on the speaking engagement. And I knew that if I wanted to be on the speaking engagement, I had to have a book. Cause you know, if you don't have a book, you're not an expert, right? That's exactly. what everybody believes. That's it. Well, that's not true, <laughs> but that's what everybody believes. It's the perception. And wa- exactly. And I've always wanted to write the book anyway. Uh, so that was just kind of the catalyst that got me there. And, and along with that, people say, so who did you write the book for? Mm. And I say, I really wrote it for two groups of people. I wrote it for young men and women, like we talked about, like we're talking about, who yep. are aspiring to be a leader, who don't really know what it takes and what mm-hmm. it requires so I wrote it for them so they kind of understand what they're going to have to do if they really want to be a good leader. But then I also wrote it for old people like me who, uh, and I've had, actually had people you know, like me who have been leaders 25, 30, 40 years, who after they read the book, they have told me, you know, Oak, I didn't learn a whole lot of new things in your book. I learned a couple of techniques that I might be able to use. But what I really take out, took out of your book was I was reading it and I looked at something that you're talking about. And I said to myself, you know what? I used to do that really well. I don't do that so well anymore. Maybe I need to get back to doing that. Yeah. And so I think whether you're a brand new high school or college student or young man or woman, whatever you're doing, up to the point where you're like me, who, you know, old leader who's been around for a long time, I think you can get something out of this book that will help you become the leader that you were meant to be or help you stay on that track of being the, the leader that, that you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's, it's, uh, we need, we need more and more. Uh, how do I say this? I'm not saying, I don't think more and more leadership experts, but more and more people to write about leadership, to talk about leadership, to demonstrate leadership, because there's too many examples of poor leadership that exists in the world right now. And we need more people who are, who are genuine, who are authentic, who genuinely care, who want to pay it forward and serve, serve other people, uh, particularly for the next generation. And the great thing about writing books, and I love the title, Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming a Leader. It's, it's about not just for here and now, but it's timeless. So people yeah. in 15, 20, 100 years time will be able to take the principles because as you rightly say, there's probably not a, a lot of brand new ideas in it, but they're timeless ideas that if we yeah. do it really well and we can master the fundamentals, we can get extraordinary results. 
you know, and that goes back to, you know, again, I played sports and, you know, for those that play sports out there, you know, I always had coaches who would say to say to the team, you know, you come the first day of, of practice and they'd say, we're going to get back to the basics. And, you know, in football, American football, that was, that was uh, tackling and, and running. And then in baseball, it was pitching and hitting and in fielding. And, you know, yeah. and then we get to say, say, we're going to get back to basics because if you don't have the basics, you can't go on to the more advanced things. Yeah. So you got to have the basics. And I firmly believe that the basics of leadership are not, haven't changed, aren't going to change. They are the things that I talk about in the book, the things that, that I was taught as a leader, the, they're timeless. It's like you said, a hundred years from now, they're still going to be the same things that make you a good leader. Yeah. So, you know, the, the technology that you use to do those things may change, will change, but the, the principles are going to be the same. Absolutely. So I, I absolutely believe that, 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 that we have to get back to teaching those things and, and why it's important. And it really is about your legacy. You know, when I give the presentation, one of the very last slide that goes up, I talk about, you know, again, it's not about you and it's about selfless service and make a difference and all those kinds of things. The very last thing that comes up is what do you want your leadership legacy to be? Because it really is about you. That's yep. the one thing that is about you. Yep. What do you want to be remembered as, as a leader? And I always tell people, for me, I want to be remembered as a selfless, a, a, a servant leader. And I want to be remembered that I mentored and created the next generation of leaders. Yep. That, to me, is what I want my legacy to be. Brilliant. Love it. Um, now, within the within the book, obviously there's a there's a stack of principles, and we'll we'll put the in the show notes. We'll um we'll let people know how they can get in contact with you and get hold of the book. Um, if you're talking to a group of high school students or people who are aspirational leaders today, and and they ask you a question, say, Oak, what is what do you reckon is the number one principle around leadership that I should at least start with? Um, is there one that stands out for you? above all else as one that we really should hang on to even as a starting point that we can use as a foundation. Yeah. So to me, it's selfless service. I mean, yep. that really is what it's about. It's, and you know, I, I, I have this dichotomy, this term that's kind of, it, it's all about you. It's not about you. Okay. And, and I believe that it's not about you because it's not about the title that you're going to get. It's not about the privileges you're going to get. It's not about you making more money and getting to live in a nicer house and driving a nicer car. Those things all kind of happen sometimes as a leader. And that's good. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not why we made you the leader. We made you the leader so that you could better serve the people who work for you and the people that you work for. And if you don't believe that, Go do something else because mm. you're never going to be a good leader. I, 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 I honestly believe that. You've got to do those things. And I tell people, again, one of the last things that I tell people is that as a brand new lieutenant, brand new leader, whether you're in the army, a business world, a sports team, whatever, if you want to be a leader, there are a couple of things you got to do. Number one, you have to read. Mm. Read everything you can about leadership. I don't care if it's a bulletin, if it's a blog, if it's an article, if it's a book. And I always tell people the books that you really want to read are autobiographies mm. of great leaders, because then not only do you learn what those leaders did, you learn why they did what they did. Yeah. The decision making process that they went through to decide to do what they did. So that's great. 
I said, and then the second part of that is that you never, ever, ever turn down a chance to be a leader. I always tell people, look, when I walk into my classroom at, with a bunch of ROTC cadets who are there supposedly because they want to be leaders, and I say, look, I got a, I got a job. Who wants to lead? I expect every single hand to go up. Yep. If it doesn't, go play in the marching band. <laughs> we need leaders. And, and if the only way you're going to get good at being a leader is to be a leader. I yep. can tell you all the theories about being a leader. I can teach them to you. I can tell you all the stories. I can, we can walk through all of it in the classroom. Guess what? That doesn't make you a leader. It doesn't. The only way you are going to get good at being a leader is to be a leader. Practice yep. it. That's yeah. it, period. End of story. Yeah. So never, ever turn down being a leader. Look, I always want to be the leader. Always. Now, I know when I come home at night and I walk into my house, <laughs> that I am no longer the leader. And there's a reason I've been married 34 years. I know who the boss in my house that's is. It. it ain't me. <laughs> oh, no, that's the same thing here, mate. Same thing here. Anybody who's happily married knows, understands that. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you make a great point. It's it's by doing and and the other thing the other thing I talk to a lot of leaders as well, and they ask me similar questions. And I said, you've you've got to research. You've got to make sure you surround yourself with really good people, but you've also got to be prepared to stick your neck out uh, and be prepared to get your knees graced, to fall down, oh, maybe chip your teeth, right? But but learn from it. Don't necessarily think that making one mistake is is a bad thing. Making two or three of the same mistakes, then we'll have a different conversation. But Absolutely. you've got to get your knees grazed. You've got to fail. You've got to you've got to make mistakes because that's the only way you're going to learn. And often the that, biggest that, lessons will come from the things that you stuffed up. Absolutely, Darren. I, you know, I had a boss again, a guy who retired a four star general, so obviously knew what he was doing. Um, and, and not only because he was a, I'm telling you, he was, he was, he was probably the biggest mentor in my life. And he was, he was a fantastic officer who taught me a lot of things. But one of the things he used to say to me is I, I was a company commander for him. And he said, um, he said, Oak, if you didn't fail today, you probably didn't do anything. <laughs> That's he, right. he didn't say fail. He said, make a mistake. He said, if you yep. didn't make a mistake, you probably didn't do anything today. Yeah. And he said, I don't care if you make a mistake. He said, well, nobody's perfect. We're all mm -hmm. going to make mistakes. He said, I don't care. He said, what I care about is what do you, did you do after you made the mistake? Did you try to hide it? Did you blame somebody else? Mm -hmm. Or did you walk up to me and say, hey, boss, I screwed up and here's how we're going to fix it. Yeah. And then he says, if you do that, I'm going to say, okay, let's go fix it. Oh, I mean, that's, and, and I, that's stuck, that's stuck with me. And I, that's been my philosophy for you. For the for all my time as a leader, look, I yeah. don't care if you make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Let's figure out what we got to do to fix it. Once you make the mistake, because we're all going to make mistakes. That's not a that's not an absolutely. Issue. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um. So don't 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 worry about that. Let's let's worry about what we do once we once we've made the mistake. Absolutely. And don't, as you say, don't cover it up. Don't blame anybody else. Own it. And I always say to leaders. We've got to take 100% responsibility for 100% of the stuff that happens, period. Yeah. I, I tell people, look, you can give away all the authority you want and you should as a leader, but you can never give away responsibility, ever. No. You, your name is always the one that's on the blame line. If something yeah. goes wrong, you are responsible, not who screwed it up yeah. in your organization. That doesn't matter because as the leader, 
you should understand and you should believe that you are responsible for everything that does or does not happen in your organization. 100%. And if you're, if you don't believe that, then you're not a good leader. Exactly. Absolutely. Cause you get the good and the bad, but either way, it's a lesson. Absolutely. And I always tell people, look, when, when, as a leader, my philosophy has always been this, when my organization did what they were supposed to do, I'd go to my boss and I'd say, hey, boss, look, look what my guys and gals did. And Joe and John and Jane, they did a great job. Yeah. Did a fantastic job on this. When we didn't make the, do what we we're supposed to do, I walked into my boss and I did exactly what, what um, my mentor told me to do. I said, hey, boss, I screwed up. Here's how we're going to fix it. Yeah. I don't care who, who in my organization didn't do what they were supposed to do. That's, that's irrelevant. I yeah. should have made sure they did what they did. That's it. Supposed to do. So it's my fault. Totally, totally love it. Um, I just want to go back one step and, and talk about servant leadership because I know it's a big part of your philosophy and it's a big part of the what's in the book. Um, people who are listening might have heard the terminology servant leadership and selfless leadership and all that sort of stuff. Um, is there anything that's that's certainly for a young leader, for a newish leader, when we hear the term servant leadership, is there something practical that we should grab a hold of or something as an example that would demonstrate, well, this is this is what servitude's about. This is what it looks like in a day-to-day scenario. Is is there some ideas you've got that that you've explained that to people? Yeah. So I, I always tell them, first of all, I, I it's important to understand what servant leadership is not. And sometimes people say to me, well, servant leader, that means that you let people walk all over you. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, look, you think I let people walk all over me? Okay, let's have that discussion. Um, but it is not, that is, is not what servant leadership means. And it doesn't mean that you make, you do everything to make them happy because sometimes being doing the right thing and taking care of your people is not making them, them happy. It's making mm-hmm. them do things that they don't want to do, but they need to do. Yep. So it is not about making people happy and and letting people walk all over you, not at all. But it is about making sure that other people's uh, goals are just as important as yours or the organization's and that you've got to help them get to that. And so I say to young leaders, you got to get to know the people that work for you. That's the first thing. If you don't know them, then you don't know what their aspirations are. You don't know what their goals are. You don't know why they're there. And, you know, again, back when we were young leaders, nobody cared why you were there. Nobody yeah. ever asked me why I was in the army, why I wanted to be an officer. They just said, here's your mission, go do it. But again, I, the good leaders did care why I was there. And that's when I started, the light bulb kind of went off in my head. The guys that I like to follow do care why I'm here. And they do care what my goals are. And they do care about my family. And they do care about those things. So I always tell young leaders, that's the number one thing. You've got to understand that, it, it, again, it's not about you. It's about the people in your organization. Mm-hmm. And it's about the organization. But the only way you can get there is to understand the, the people who work for you and why they're there and, and w- what's important to them. Understand that you also got to teach them that the organization is important as well. And in the end, that's the, we all got to work to make the organization successful but we also have to work toward making them successful. So I think that's number one thing I, I tell people that being a servant leader, you got to understand that. And that's probably the first step toward being that servant leader. 
And, you know, and Simon Sinek came out with a book said leaders eat last. And he got that from the military because, yeah. you know, as a lieutenant, as an officer, I didn't eat until every one of my soldiers had eaten. And if there wasn't any food left, guess what? I didn't eat that day. I mean, that's just the way it is. That, that's, that's, that's what leaders do. You let other people. So that, that's kind of the concept is that yep. it, it, you got to take care of them. And, and you know what? The great thing about that is, Darren, is that if you take care of people like that, they're going to take care of you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 I had to go off one. I remember this vividly. I, we were out at the National Training Center, our big training center. And we just we were getting ready to do a mission the next day. And so I had to go to the headquarters at 9.30 at night, pitch blackout. Um, and I, I didn't get to eat dinner that night because I had to leave early enough. So I didn't get to stand in line and eat dinner because all my soldiers were going to eat first. Yeah. So I went and I did orders process. And at about 11.30 that night, I'm coming back and I come back and I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm cold. And one of my soldiers uh, walks up to me and hands me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that he made for me from the mess line because he knew I wasn't going to get to eat that night. That's when you know you've made it as a servant leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was unprompted. Awesome. Love it. What's that? That's, and it was unprompted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't ask anybody to do that for me. He, he knew I was not going to get to eat and yep. he made sure that I at least had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Absolutely. Great, great example. So with that, hey, uh, if people are listening, how can they how can they best connect with you, find out more about you? And more specifically, if they're interested in getting a hold of the book, how can we best uh, get access to that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a, I am on all of the social media uh, platforms. You know, it's funny because before I wrote the book, I wasn't on any of them. Okay. And uh, when I wrote the book, my publisher said, so, so what, what social media are you on? I said, None. He said, well, we're going to fix that. And I said, I, I, and he said, I didn't ask. <laughs> he said, we're going to fix it. <laughs> so I'm on LinkedIn. That's the one I use most often. That's how okay. we link up. Yep. Um, and, but I am on Facebook and I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram, although I have no idea what Twitter really is. I <laughs> but, uh, but I am on there. And if you message me or would tweet me or whatever, I, I will get it and I'll answer you. But really LinkedIn is, is where I am. And you can just type in Oakland McCullough. And, uh, and uh, I'll come up, but I'm also, I also have a website and it's www.ltcoakmcculloughand.com. Uh, and on that website, you can find a link to my, to, to the book. Uh, so it'll take you to the Amazon site because it's sold on Amazon and the book comes in a hardcover paperback and ebook right now. And I'm, my first session is next Wednesday. I'm going to start an audio book. So oh, nice. I had about, had about 30 people ask me if it came in audio. And I said, no. And they said, well, you know, you really should. Because a lot of people today, a lot of young people today, that's the only reason they, the only way they listen to books. They don't read them. They listen to them. So, so I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm actually going to read it myself. Um, I thought also about that. somebody else read it, but I, I got to read it myself. So you're not only an author. You're a leader. You're also now <laughs> going to be a voiceover man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and so I, you know, it's it's great because you know, going back to the speaking thing, I, I actually, I've been I've been doing public speaking for uh, I don't know, twenty something years probably. And if you 
where I actually went out and talked to pe- people outside my unit, my yeah. organization. Um, but I got my first paid speaking engagement coming up uh, the first week in November. I'm going to a college up in Pennsylvania. Sensational. And they're going to pay me to come up and talk. And so um, so I'm excited about that. Brilliant. Sounds awesome. And um, look forward to seeing how that goes. It'll be, uh, no doubt you'll knock their socks off and you'll have people lining up from miles around to, to uh, get photos with you and uh, well, get, get signed copies that, of the book as well. Hopefully I can leave them with some things that will help them be a better leader because that's, that's the goal here. I'm, I'm sure you will, mate. Hey, as we wrap up, I want to thank you, first of all, for, for connecting on LinkedIn. It's been, uh, it's been great having conversations with you so far and really appreciate you jumping on the podcast today because I think there's a lot of terrific information, timeless principles that you've been able to share with the listeners. So thank you for that. And I greatly appreciate you joining me on the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast today, Oak. Thanks, Darren. I I really do appreciate you having me on. And uh, I I hope that we maintain a a good relationship here on LinkedIn and and continue to do things like this, you know, talk. And even if, you know, I'm I'm happy to come back on your show anytime you want me to, but, but, but just you and I talking, because again, that's what it's all about. That's what good leaders need to talk because you, we can all learn every day. Absolutely. Because it is a journey. It is not a destination. You don't wake up one day and you're not the, the, the greatest leader in the world. It just doesn't work that way. It'd be nice oh, if it worked that no, way. It would it be great, wouldn't it, if it was? Yeah. <laughs> but so we are thanks, constantly thanks. a work in progress. Yeah. So thank, thanks for having me on, Darren. I really do appreciate it. Good on you, Oak. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you again really soon, and we'll definitely have you back on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Good on you, mate. All the best. See ya. you. too. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.